HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink, inspiring public curiosity about food. Learn more at mofad.org. This week on Meet and 3, we bring you stories about the coldest, darkest season. We start in a California vineyard. It's cold, but it's wet, and things are still alive. There's a lot of life in this soil. We explore two frontiers of cocktail culture— luxury ice, and the rise of non-alcoholic drinks. The rocks traditionally becomes 25% of your drink's volume, and as such, it imparts smells and tastes. And we investigate the risks facing New York City delivery workers during the harsh winter. In the wintertime, after two hours of biking, it's quite easy, actually, for the bikes to sing upside down or slips or slide. Tune in to this week's episode of Meat and Three, that's M-E-A-T plus sign T-H-R-E-E, for some food for thought to sustain you through the dead of winter. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome, everybody, to the show Life's a Banquet, the show that's edible, spreadable, and Zara. Horrible. Starring your hosts, me, Brenton Scott, and me, Zara Tanglora. A show about ostrich is wine and dough! <laughs> I'm drunk! <laughs> Always! Life's a banquet, life's a banquet, life's a banquet, banquet! Welcome to the show, Life's a Banquet! Yes, the show about the highs and lows of all things edible, spreadable, and Zara. Pourable! Uh, copyright tagline, so don't even try, folks. I made that one up when I was. I don't know. You spent a week there one night? One time when I was drunk and stoned. <laughs> What's new? When, <laughs> when was that? Always? Uh, always. You know... What's going on, Breton? You nut? Well, today is one of those blustery, wintry, icy, wintry mixed snow. It was actually kind of the first true snowy day of New York City. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, yeah. It's Thanks to climate change, it snowed for about 30 to 45 minutes, and now it's raining. Yep. And it turned into uh, hail, sleet, and... Uh, dog and pee, piss-colored snow and hellfire and brimstone. Mm-hmm. So you know, today was an interesting day. Um, start of the day as usual. You know, six a.m. Co- bulletproof coffee and a puff of weed. Uh, coconut gym- oil enema. <laughs> coconut oil enema. Uh, two hours at the gym, yoga practice, etc. Uh, and you know, I just uh, I came back and I started. I'm on my third 
series of microdosing with with psychedelic mushrooms. You know how I can tell? How? Because you're wearing a full matching flannel suit and you're wearing a pink <laughs> sunglass, round what? sunglasses. I have a fabulous thing. I'm just going to do a quick uh, mentioning of vintage clothing. My friend Casey Lane, uh, her Instagram is um, the Umbrella Lady or mm. at Umbrella Lady. It's, she's, it's probably wrong and she's going to be like, why you? <laughs> anyway, her name's Casey Lane. She's fabulous. Check her out on Instagram and she, dro- she gave me this gorgeous vintage hunting red like checked buffalo checked plaid suit you look absolutely stunning the funny thing is that you do already own a buffalo plaid Mm -hmm. red flannel suit this is why i believe in the power of social media the power of instagram is that she saw me she saw us on instagram and (laughs) she said you need this for free actually i did trade her a, a, a black sequin dress anyway to make a long story short uh, I started my third cycle of microdosing mushrooms. I took a little bit too much. I, I know. Yeah, a little bit too much. So I had a small little uh, mushroom trip, which turned out to be really, really helpful today because it was kind of gloomy. And you What'd know, what you kind of, see? What'd you do? I, you I went to the park. I went. I put my slippery shoes on because that's always a good idea. <laughs> and I went down the hill of the park and mm. went like skiing. I went full on the the snow was like ice. I went skiing. People were people were watching me. I drew crowds and, and well, the crowds were actually just you know, there was, there was like, one person. There was like someone with a dog. Yeah, yeah. There was oh some God. of the dog that was watching me. Brent Scott, what can't you do? Is what I'd like to know. So that happened, but you know what? Overall, I would say if you want to, you know, go ahead, email us at lifesabanquetshow at gmail I can we can tell you all about it. Or oh, I yeah. can rather. Yeah, and you can tell me. Zara's being my observer. She's like my therapist. Like, well, I noticed uh, he uh, stutters a lot more. And, Interesting. And stop like paying his bills. He's shaved half of his hair off, <laughs> and he has two beards. Uh, anyways, what's going on? What, what? Tell us. Talk to you about food and beverage. What are you? A food and beverage. What, what have you? You know what? I okay, listeners. Never mind. Don't worry. Hold on. I'm gonna. No, tell I'm you, done. I'm finished. Before you finish, I always go to Zara's house. Uh, she lives in Brooklyn. So do I very quick commute and I always the first thing I do I'm like Kramer I go and I open her house and I open her fridge and I'm always like oh wow pickled this pickled that I start dipping my fingers in (laughs) like oh look at that hunk of cheese you've got nothing in your fridge the last week nothing actually I I typically don't have anything in my house except for pickles but if you were to come over right now you would find that I have prepared a bubbling hot pot of avocado okay so tell us about for those of us that aren't uh, look it up Look it Google up, it, no. non-Greeks. What do I care? Tell me, tell me about it. Um, Avaglemino, one of my very favorite delights growing up on the north shore of Long Island. We had a lot of Greek diners, and we would have gyros and slovaki and the whole bit. But my favorite thing was always Avaglemino, which is a chicken lemon rice soup. And I got very inspired after last week's soup episode. I went right home. I made myself some stock. I turned that stock. I turned that frown turned right upside that, down, yeah. and I made Avaglemino. So take that, Martha. Jesus. Put that stock Oprah. into a crock. You know what? Isn't that great when you can influence your, when you can inspire yourself? Exactly. I was just, I went home and I go, you know, I love that Zara Tangora. She does have a lot of good recipes. So I made one of my own fabulous recipes. And now I also had a very interesting week. Mm-hmm. Did I go human sledding? No, I didn't. That's okay. Everybody has their own thing. Um, Hang on one sec. It's that. It's your phone. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> my phone. How cool. Your phone is making a noise. I love noises. Um, so I went upstate for a day trip this week to Poughkeepsie. And uh, I went with my friend kind of last minute to this like wild party. It was like a music industry party. And at the last minute, uh, we're on our way home. This is kind of like one of our like Larry David stories. So we're on our way home. The host goes, 
can you take, uh, you have room for one more? And he points to this girl who is like an 18-year-old girl who is just like at the party. Very sweet. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's a two and a half hour drive. Yeah, Poughkeepsie. With traffic. Yeah, Poughkeepsie. So take a complete stranger home with you to Midtown Manhattan. And so naturally I was like, I can't. No, I can't do that. Uh, but we said yes. And then luckily for our failed transit system, I go, oh, you know what? The L train actually isn't working. Can we just drop you off at the train station? She goes, okay, no problem. So the, my, I have my dad's old car. The clock is, I still didn't move the clock back. I was with my, our dear, dear friend, Michael. He's sitting in the front. We look at the clock. He goes, oh, look. We get to the train station. She's like, you got two minutes until the train. That's great. And so she runs out. She goes, okay, bye, guys. This girl's 19, full yeah. of hope and optimism. We oh, like pull God, away. Thing. If only she Michael knew the looked, truth. I know. Michael looks at his phone and goes, wait, why does my phone say five and your clock says six? I was like, my clock's fast. So this girl had to wait in the freezing cold for over an hour in the middle of nowhere. Left Basically, we left an innocent girl for dead. Well. Because uh, <laughs> I couldn't bear to drive home with a stranger. And that just makes me realize that I'm a certain kind of person that I'm not like most people. Most people are much more friendly and accommodating. Listeners, would you leave a strange woman for dead? Knowing all I know about true crime, I just left her right out there in the middle of nowhere. Anyway, it was a well, Hawaiian you know, people party. are dying every day. You can't control everything. I can't stop the the bad meat companies from slaughtering, you know, horrible or an- uh, innocent animals. I can't stop Clinique and from testing on it. I don't know, whatever whatever companies do. That shouldn't say anything. Yeah, so now we're on Blast from Clink. Anyway, I'm so sorry. If you're listening out there, girl, who I don't know, I'm sorry I left you for dead. It was a Hawaiian theme party, though, and there was lots of poi and all other kinds of slop, ambrosia salad. I laughed, I cried, I ate a tiny fork full of rice, and that you know, was it. That's so funny that you said Hawaiian music, because today in this blustery, cold weather, uh, I decided to put on my favorite Hawaiian... I, Googled on Spotify, like Hawaiian luau music. You did? And I listened to it, and it wasn't really a Hawaiian luau. It was mostly Bob Marley and other kind of like white people, oh, reggae, yeah. like thanks, white Sp- people. Thanks, Spotify. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it was really good, and I boiled some, a big pot of apple or cinnamon. Oh. Right? Our, yeah. Okay, hold on. Pro tip. You want, your, you want to feel more like it's just winter. You just take a giant pot of water and you shove oranges and tangerines and cloves and star anise and sorry, star anise. I always say that, uh, <laughs> whatever else, warm spices and you just boil it in your entire house and apartment building. Yeah. If you have one, it smells good. It smells delicious. It's a trick. It's a, it's a, just a little twist. You put anything in there. Lavender is really nice, but during the winter months, uh, cinnamon smells good. And it's a really good tip. If you cook at home a lot, you know, like recently I just mentioned I made stock and then after the stock is done, I'm like, Oh my God, Maron, me and my entire house. It smells like a dirty armpit. Um, yeah. You know, you I don't, know, you don't I want f- your bedroom to smell like chicken stock. I made French fries the other day. Oh really? How yeah. Because I got out? inspired from our French fry episode. Oh, you did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Brendan and I are now only inspired by ourselves. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Very inspo, today's inspo, me. <laughs> Narcissism, narcissistic I culture. I just wake up every day and I'm shocked about me, who me. I am. Um, so anyway, speaking of me, uh, <laughs> what did you? What else did you cook this week? Oh, this week. It was a busy week. Um, I'm, in the, I'm getting ready for uh, this upcoming holiday. What uh, is it? So what holiday is it, Brett? It's Valentine's Day. Oh, and in what? case you're listening, uh, this is Tuesday, February 12th. And Valentine's Day is this uh, this Thursday. Heartbreak, day. sex. Yeah, heartbreaks. Sex, deuces, restaurants, <laughs> price fix, <laughs> menus, briefing menus. Like you can't come in here unless you each spend one hundred twenty nine dollars. First people to cry win the prize. <laughs> we used to, so when I used to work at the Waverly Inn, 
Um, even though I signed an NDA, I don't care. Call my lawyer. Call him Graydon Carter. See if I care. Uh, but yeah, we would always joke who would be the first. Like at what time of the night would the first oh breakup happen? Breakup or cry or oh fight? Oh my god! It usually only took about a half an hour if the first seating was around five thirty. Yeah. Um, you know, so for, so for those of you now, Zara and I are both. If you're just tuning in, we're both cooks, restaurant kind of everything people. We both own restaurants. Uh, we've opened and closed them. And here we are sitting in a, a fabulous radio studio drinking cognac. <laughs> we laughed, we cried, we, we went bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We Oh, tons of money. It's fabulous. Uh, oh, God, I'll tell you all about it in the book. So anyway, uh, during Valentine's Day, and I can't wait to tell you about Zara's little thing, uh, basically restaurants, every, we all hate everybody. We all hate that day. It's horrible. And we all the tables are slashed into two into deuces or two tops, and you know the six tops are removed. Some a lot of restaurants rent tables. They're like, bring it in, like pack them in, right? Mm-hmm. The, it's a it's a restaurant's a wonderful opportunity to make a shit ton of money in one night. It can it pay is. your bills for like two months. You can, yeah. So anyway, uh, we have over the years become embittered, and maybe I don't think it's a I think it's a hallmark holiday. But it is. I've been in my. As I get older and out of restaurants, I try to say, well, you know, what's nice about it? I, lo- I mean, I loved Valentine's Day at Brucey because we would always do something kind of out of the box. And that one year in 2014. And, uh, and not the chocolate box. <laughs> we would always do something out of the uh-huh. Russell Stover and, box. And, and, and I'm I not- don't mean that raspberry nougat. <laughs> That's the worst I, one. The, everybody hates the raspberry hey. nougat. You know you do. And if those, hey, if there's one freak that likes the raspberry nougat, please... Call us and email us. First of all, nougat. Not sure that's how it's pronounced. Second of all, nougat. If you're a nougat lover, if you are a raspberry nougat lover, find the other. There should be like some kind of dating app for that. I used to like it because not not nougat. I used to like (laughs) uh, Valentine's Day because in 2014 when Beyonce did that when she dropped her self-titled album, everyone was obsessed. We did Mm. Beyonce Valentine's Day at Brucey, and it became you were written up at the Times, a viral sensation. We were in every magazine. We had we were cooking until 4 a.m. and so we also closed when I closed Brucey. We closed on Valentine's Day. We did a two-day event. One night was the first night was a wedding, and the second night was a funeral. Well, and it was really fun. So it sounds like you really are in or Valentine's I'm, Day has I'm a celebrator. I don't like Valent I don't like holidays that carry a lot of like expectation, mm-hmm. especially when you're with someone or if you're alone. So Valentine's Day for me in a romantic sense is it's just like a setup for some kind of either like corniness, something embarrassing. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to go out to dinner on Valentine's Day to a place that had a price fix thing. If you're listening, you do that. That's completely fine. It's just not for me. And I, I'm assuming probably not for you either. Well, this reminds me of the story. Those are when I was single years ago, uh, I was tra- traversing the streets of Manhattan on <laughs> Valentine's Day. I was like, ah, like. All I wanted just was a good meal. I was snarling and yeah, biting was, into. Things. I don't know. I was like restaurants. I'm you're eating night a off. turkey leg. Like, and I go up to Raul's, Raul's restaurant, and it Raul's. If you're listening, In Soho. don't worry. Yeah, yeah. And I sit at the bar, thinking, you know what? There's a bar. At least I can probably get an a la carte, you know, steak yeah. frites or something. Sure. And I sit down. The guy's like, I'm sorry. Uh, this is a. Uh, you have to get the price, the pre fee for two people. And I'm like, I know, but I'm only one person. I'm, just, I'm a single guy. And they're like, Sorry, we don't have any food. I was like, I'll buy something. Oh, what? I'll spend thirty bucks to buy a single item. They're like, cool. No, no, you got to do the whole thing. I was like, No, but I'm not. Uh, Did you get the pre fee for two? I would have done it. Got two things. Say and then be like, Excuse me, I'm sorry, my mom's calling, and then you run out of the bill. I abruptly left, went on the train, met a stranger, went home with him that night. It was fabulous. So oh my listen, goodness. 
Should no, we get into I our made, topic, I, Breton? Yeah, I just, you know, I'm just preparing for this Valentine's Day. I want to make sure that I have lots of chocolate. Chocolate and caramel is my theme this year, as okay. it is probably for many of you. Um, I wanted to talk, you know, what do we, so, okay, listen to this. What do all these things have in common, and both with Valentine's Day and themselves? We've got um, blood pudding, Polish blood pudding, kushka, um, French boudoir, Chinese pig blood pudding. Well, I guess I'm kind of giving it away. Morcilla, Spanish morcilla. There's the Korean, like, version. And all of these are puddings and sausages made with Blood. blood, blood, pig blood, dripping. deer blood, deer blood, cow blood, rabbit blood, hard to find chicken blood, ant blood, yes. bee blood, yeah. worm blood, yes, and the- everything has blood. So we could keep going like this for hours. Our topic today, everyone, all you out there, is blood. blood. Now listen, blood is kind of the mm, shall we call it the noir, uh, <laughs> the boudoir noir of the cooking world. It evokes. <laughs> death and, and 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 just murder and and cruelty and like blood dripping and some people mm. will be off putting or some people are off put about when they're, they're off putting uh, they're off like <laughs> they're, they're off, off block putting but <laughs> but listen blood is and always has been in the history of many world cuisines and global cuisines uh, a wonderful source of uh, sustenance um in fact I think there was a few chefs that had, when I was researching this week, you know, it said it's like that whole nose to tail cooking, right? To cook, to not use all the parts of an animal is actually a disgrace. It's a complete disgrace. Now, hold on. I wanted to tell something for those of you that are squeamish about blood. Uh, I'm not here to change your mind or to tell you that you should eat it or shouldn't eat it. Perhaps you're a vegetarian or a vegan. If so, push, uh, well, actually just listen to this because it's part of our world. Part of our, um, so <laughs> blood is in every bite. Of a hamburger. Blood is in the bite. snap. You told them. It sure is. Blood is. You are eating blood in a hamburger. You are eating blood when you cut open that skinless, what is it, a Uh, Tampon sandwich. Tampon sandwich. (laughs) God, I love a tampon sandwich. (laughs) Your boneless, skinless chicken breast is filled with blood. Your fish heads. Well, sorry. (laughs) Your body. (laughs) Quick interject. I go to Chinatown yesterday, and I try to get some fish heads because I want to make some fish stock. Uh And this guy, like, hacks up this giant salmon and just, like, whacks it on the head, kills it. It was live. Slices open the head. And then he holds this head open for this woman. And the head, it's still breathing. Just the head. It's like, you know, because the rigor mortis is about to set in. What a thrill. Oh, my gosh. And she was like, ah, in whatever language she was speaking, Cantonese or Chinese or Fukuyang or whatever dialect. And she tells the guy to cut the head in half again. Oh, wow. Because it was too, it weighed too much, but it was just dripping in blood. Yeah, well, and then I bet she made a beautiful, delicious stock with it. So what are some of the things that, what are some of the traditional foods that you've been researching that involve blood? Okay, well, my favorite, my favorite entry into blood is, this happened when I was in Spain. It's the morcilla sausage, M-O-R-C-I-L-L-A. It's a very dark sausage that can either be made, well, it has pig's blood in it, and it is either filled with kind of some type of cereal grain, in this case, rice or onion. Sometimes people use apples. It almost has a sweetish, not a Swedish, sweetish, <laughs> a sweet taste for a sausage. And what they'll do is they'll they'll steam or cook these sausages uh, much like a boudin noir, and a boudin noir is the French version of that, which usually has heavy cream in, so it's a little bit of a, it's a softer color, right? Rather than the, it's a very dark, dark. Anyway, 
this Marcia sausage, you slice it and then you can just saute it. And that's all you need. It is so flavorful it's and delicious. it's so delicious. And it's just little niblets. You can put a little toothpick in it and put on top of your bread with some little, you know, little smoked paprika. Mm. Voila. Like, mm. uh, when I was delicious. in Ireland, this Polish, I stayed with this uh, Airbnb and this Polish, it was actually a Mr. Airbnb. What's that? A gay it's Airbnb? For, it's gay Airbnb. It's like only gay guys. Sorry. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, yeah, that way in case. I need to travel with you in Preston more. Well, you know, it's pretty fun. <laughs> Gays have their own culture across the world. Steam room, saunas, all that stuff. Anyway. Well, good for you. <laughs> anyway, he, we didn't have a steam room sausage, but he did make us blood, Polish blood pudding. And oh I thought, God. what a fun thing to have. And it is very, you know, Scottish. That all the all the, the UK and all the Brits. and. How does that differ that, from Morcia? Um, in I believe that the poli- or I'm sorry, the like black pudding, like mm-hmm. Scottish black pudding, yeah, uh, that just doesn't have the rice, but they'll use apples and sometimes or like oats, correct? Yeah, they'll use it exactly. They'll use okay. whatever like groats and oats and oh, a groat, so whatever cereal grain that is probably particular to that country. Right, Stephen, who we were just chatting about with Doug um, from Buttermilk Channel, who now works over at his at Buttermilk. Stephen used to be my sous chef at Brucey. And he used to, every Valentine's Day, make blood pudding and blood sausage for Valentine's Day in some in some respect. And he would always use, I believe, oatmeal, and it was delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't you say that your grandfather, Louis Spotalski, Spotalski? Yeah, good, excellent. Um, <laughs> well, excellent I, memory. I minored in Polish. Um, yeah. that he, <laughs> I thought so. He had a duck's blood soup recipe oh, that was yummy. I for, you know what's so funny? I completely forgot to Sweet make... Sweet and sour? I, yeah, it's a, it's duck blood soup, and it is made with pig blood and duck blood, and it's thickened, and I don't, you know, it's just very, uh, you don't taste blood. I know. I think that it's something that, you know, people in our culture are not going to quite come around to it maybe this minute, but anybody out there getting interested in thinking about having some blood, get to your nearest British gastropub, or maybe just, I mean, the city is, is full of blood. Yeah, and if you are a meat eater, just remember that blood is filled with hey listen if you're keto or doing this like kind of low carb thing get a blood, gallon of blood is filled with plasma and guess what plasma has albumin and guess what album is it's the same thing that egg white protein has so it's filled with protein low in carbohydrates it has tons of lecithin which can you know reduce the low density cholesterol which is the bad cholesterol so all these health benefits and it's nourishing it's it, i don't yeah. know why i said nour no it is nourishing, nourishing. it's as nourishing as nu- nougat um yeah. should we take a quick break and then get into God, our I story for the day love a good break let's take a little blood break everybody go get yourselves a pint of blood and we'll be right back after these messages blood break at the blood break <laughs> This episode is brought to you by MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink. Featuring a variety of interactive displays, MOFAD encourages eaters of all ages to be curious about food. The museum currently operates MOFAD Lab, a 5,000-square-foot experimental space in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, where Chow, making the Chinese-American restaurant, is currently on show until the end of March 2019. This exhibition celebrates the birth and evolution of Chinese-American restaurants, tracing their nearly 170-year history, and sparking conversations about food culture, immigration, and what it means to be American. It highlights the evolution timeline of Chinese-American restaurant menus, dating back to 1910, 
and also highlights a tasting section where participants get to enjoy tastings created by the country's most talented chefs who specialize in Chinese-American cuisine. Make sure you check out Chow while you still can. The exhibition closes at the end of March 2019. Check out MoFAD's tastings and extensive event calendar at mofad.org events. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. Hi, my name is Sam Ben Ruby, and I'm the host of The Grape Nation on Heritage Radio Network. With this show, we bring wine to the people. Each week, we bring the best guests in wine on, taste different wines on air, and invite our listeners to taste with us. You'll find our approach to wine decidedly unsnobby. You can find The Grape Nation wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. Micro dosing, micro, micro, micro dosing. Oh God, I'm drinking this overproof <laughs> rum. It's just been—I bought a bottle of overproof rum, and it's 149 proof. All it's from right. Plantation, and I will say a little. It's best thing to have a flask. Little dabble, do you? All right, Brendan. We, we have like four or five rums on that shelf right there, and every single one of them is overproof. To oh, the well, point honey. where I wonder, do they make normal proof rum anymore? Well, I don't know. That's a well, good question, Matt. Let's do the, our next episode. I on say more rum. bang for your buck. Absolutely. Right. I just drink pure grain alcohol. All right. Well, Get listen. Right to it. We are back talking about Valentine's Day and blood, Zara. Exactly. So you know, Valentine's Day isn't happy for everybody. That's why we're talking about blood because mm. blood is sexy, blood is angry, blood is red, and blood is passionate. And so today I wanted to make my story. Uh, I was looking around and I'm like, should I do the history of blood sausage? That was where my mind originally went. And then I go, mm-hmm. no, Zara, you push yourself a little further. Find find that little caveat that yeah, no one's really little... thought of. So my story today, and I want to mention I got a lot of my information because I really did get a lot of it from Munchies uh, and Slate. And uh, so Brent, fabulous. You can get younger people that make less than, exactly. less money and do tons of research. And well, you know they have the thing with the millennials <laughs> with uh, blood transfusions. You get blood transfusions from a young millennial. So that's uh, email life's a big what show at gmail.com. Forty <laughs> two year olds are looking for your young blood. <laughs> I'm only thirty five, but I still will take well, that blood. I'll still take that blood. All right, listen, Breton, When I say these names: Hitchcock, Scorsese, Kubrick, oh. Raimi, Tarantino, De Palma, Carpenter, Von Trier. What do you think? I think of torturous uh, misogyny <laughs> i think of uh exactly rape culture okay i think of rape culture i think of murders i think of uh people jerking off treated, the mirror. people getting treated unfairly well do you also think of fake blood because these are some directors that have notoriously yes. used a lot of fake blood in yes. their films and so my top my story today is going to be a brief history of fake blood in films and why I'm talking about this is because most often, more often than not, almost I'd say 90% of the time, the fake blood is made out of things that are edible. Yeah. Now, most uh, often does mean more often than not. That's most good to often know. means more than no. Yeah. <laughs> more yes, more why than n. Uh, so the earliest blood uh was like symbolic in theater and they would just use like a red handkerchief. And so yes, someone would die and then right. go, oh, yes. mort, mort. <laughs> and they would throw Mered. out the, right? Yes, exactly. Um, and then horror plays started using red pigment that was derived from boiling dried insects, um, including the cochineal bug, 
which was also used until recently in Campari. Campari. And ruby red grapefruit. Yes. And so I actually I think that Campari, that. when I was thinking about this, I'm like, Campari wouldn't be a bad, if we were doing a, like a low budge blood thing, I feel like we, you know, Campari would be a kind of good thing. <laughs> Reduce some Campari down. <laughs> but the problem was when it cooled, it like made scabby looking things. Um, and then from there, <laughs> in black and white films Classic. for forever, they use chocolate syrup. Uh, because either Bosco or Hershey's. I do recall this. Because yes. chocolate syrup looked exactly like blood in on black and white mm-hmm. film. Even in Psycho, they used syrup. And when Psycho was made, it was a revelation because it, the plastic squirt bottle in the late in the late fifties had just come out, and so they could use the squirt bottle to make it. Isn't look, that weird? That that was the technique. What did they do before? What did chefs do before squirt bottles? What would they put their little dabs of like avocado? I don't know. Puree some kind with of glass. That's actually, that's a good question. Like they use a spoon. Look, email lifesbanquetshow at gmail.com for all the answers, please. Thank <laughs> you. Um, so yeah, anyway, they were, they were trying to figure out how to make a blood-centric movie with Psycho. It was still in black and white, so they lucked out. But as the 1950s drew to a close and the 60s came around, the swing in the 60s came oh, about. that's right. It was, um, it was a challenge to figure out how exactly they were going to make blood, you know, red and true to life. So, enter... Da, 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 da. Corn syrup. Uh, corn oh, syrup made ha, its oh, corn syrup. Caro corn syrup made its debut, and they started using it. Um, it was called Kensington Gore, and Kensington Gore was a type of <laughs> fake blood. <laughs> Kensington Gore. Kensington yeah. Gore. Um, Kensington Gore is Mr. Made- Hitchcock, did you order the- Did wow. you- Who ordered the Kensington Gore. 2,500 gallons of gore. Um, so anyway, this guy, John uh, Tyngate, invents Kensington Gore. It becomes heavily relied on in The Shining, Stanley Kubrick, in 1980. We're fast-forwarding a little while. Stanley Kubrick uses about 300 gallons of Kensington Gore in the scene where the blood flows out of the, uh- Elevator. Oh my gosh. Can I really inter- interject yes, the please. Metropolitan Opera a couple years ago? And I don't remember which performance. They had a tank full of blood that <gasps> had to be filtered, made, uh, drained into a truck, and then filtered at a special location in Queens to be reused oh for my God. several perform- like performances throughout the week because the actors obviously had to have clean blood. Right, right, right. Oh my God. That's they, so would, crazy. they would go inside of it and it had to be. Ooh. Kensington Gore was made two cups of golden corn syrup, one cup tepid water, uh, sometimes used for blooming gelatin, 10 teaspoons of red food coloring, a few drops of blue food coloring, a few drops of yellow food coloring, and corn flour, which is interestingly also made by the same company that makes corn syrup because uh, corn syrup is taken from corn starch. Corn flour is corn starch, right? Exactly, yes. Um, so, most famous recipe for fake blood, however, mm-hmm. comes from a gentleman named Dick Smith, who was a Hollywood makeup Classic artist. Classic Americana, right? Cla- Classic Dick Smith. But Dick Smith was a makeup artist. He was really, really famous. <laughs> Dick Smith. Um, and Dick Smith, holler, mm. he's dead. Call me. He died in 2014 of mm, too much fake blood poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> too much corn syrup. So he did the fake blood for films, uh, Exorcist, Taxi Driver, The Godfather. People called him the greatest makeup artist ever to live. More than Ben Nye? Ben Nye? You mean Bill Nye? 
Ben Nye. The science guy? No, Ben the Nye. Makeup ben guy. Nye makeup people. It's like the famous, right, theater makeup. Anyway. Oh, I don't know that. I don't know it. Oh, I don't have like, that oh, much experience with theater makeup. Come on. This is a food podcast. <laughs> Why are we talking about movies? I don't know. Why are we talking about I fake blood? Go. I don't know. Okay, so the corn syrup was the base for this this fake blood that Dick Smith came up with. However, it was also extremely poisonous because it had uh, photo flow in it. Which was oh, which made the red stuff flow just right, but it was really, really, really poisonous. So you know we could they people couldn't use it for fake blood that needed to come out of someone's mouth. For that, there was a solution that was made of it was called peanut butter blood, mm. and so peanut butter blood was um, sounds very Vietnamese. Peanut butter blood was used by Sam Raimi and uh, the Evil Dead movies. So Bruce Campbell, the guy who's in all of the Sam Raimi, like Evil Dead, heart, like, yes, you know, yes. he talks about peanut butter blood and how that was like a thing that they always used. Um, pretty, pretty disgusting. Yeah, very, very interesting. Um, yeah. And then let's see people. So people all every d- director had their own kind of thing that they wanted to use and wouldn't use. Quentin Tarantino, for instance, will only use something called samurai blood. Martin McDonough, uh, the guy who did In Bruges and uh, Three mm-hmm. Billboards, he used nine different kinds of blood when he was doing uh, this play. Um, yeah, it's just it's kind of insane. Nine? I'm sorry. That's a whacked director. Like, oh, no, no, I no, know. no. This blood I for the scene. nine this... different kinds of blood. Yeah, I could just picture it already. Really crazy. Where are they now? Um, okay, sorry, I lost a page that I was reading from, like, uh, and then, uh, blood. Um, okay, so anyway, Taxi Driver. In the end of Taxi Driver, uh, Martin Scorsese almost didn't get to have an R rating. It was going to be NC-17 because of the color of the blood that he had in the end of the film. So, I just watched this again today, and when you watch the end of Taxi Driver, that really violent scene when he goes into the brothel, into the brothel to save Jodie Foster... It's like this weird orangey color, which he ended up saying he thought was even more disturbing. So they had to alter the color that they would add to the corn syrup. That was also a corn syrup based blood, which is gross. Um, So when they would do bullets, when people want to see bullet wounds come out, you see meat flying. That's actually raw meat. So they mix the raw meat with corn syrup and sometimes chocolate sauce. Mm. And then that's what makes it look like actual shooting comes like pieces of human flesh coming well, out. Well, listen, if there's any actors out there listening, and if you've eaten blood or maybe had a piece of raw meat with uh, some of that delicious <laughs> nine type <laughs> nine type of fake blood, let us know what that tasted like. And that brings us to our final and most bloody movie of all time, which I rewatched yesterday just for this episode, which mm. is one of my favorite movies of all time, Carrie. Uh, in yes, which at Stephen the end of the King's Carrie. Stephen King's Carrie, directed by Brian De Palma, which in the end of the film, uh, Sissy Spacek has a gallon of what's meant to be pig's blood dumped on her head. That's right. In the book, it is pig's blood. It's really corn syrup again. Um, and so in the in the film, after she gets the blood dumped on her, all these fires start going in the background. And Sissy Spacek said at first it felt like a warm bath. And then all of a sudden, when the fire started going, she started roasting like a candy apple because of all the corn syrup that was in it. So she was essentially bruleing could you imagine thank god it wasn't the michael jackson pepsi commercial episode where 
she would have lost her entire head of hair. <laughs> oh my God, that's a terrible story. Well, we don't, let's not get into and, that. And so that's kind of a brief history of movie blood, but I think it's interesting they always had to use food. Uh, even before there was necessary for having it, in, you know, being ingested, people just decided to use food because it looked more realistic. So food and movie blood have a long history together. Now people are relying a lot on CGI, like David Fincher uses CGI for most of his films. I don't think it looks as good. I think, you know, the corn syrup thing is usually the best looking. And I thought yeah, it was interesting I think that they use peanut butter. You know, that it makes me think of, obviously, in Broadway and stage, obviously there's still a need for real bl- well, real fake blood. Yeah. I helped a gentleman caller a few years. Remember uh, Chris? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah some guy. Uh, a we'll change gentleman his, Sorry. Uh, we'll edit that out and Should say... Should we call him... We'll call him... Riss. <laughs> Riss. Yes. <laughs> Riss, yes. Um, anyway, but I did help him uh, make some blood at one point, which we did use, of course, Hershey syrup and corn syrup and red dye. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they squirted all over it, and it looked very realistic. I had to test it. The peanut butter I thought was crazy. And then, so the Carrie thing tied me to my next point that I want to make kind of about Valentine's Day in general. Mm. So Carrie was obviously about a girl who was an outcast and misunderstood and didn't feel like part of the crew. And I think a lot of people can kind of feel like that. It was her on- mom's fault. Well, her her mom, of course, her mom was a psycho. Yeah, her mom was a sociopath. We can have really nice moms and dads, and we can still feel like outcasts a lot of the time. And I think Valentine's Day is one of those days that really brings it up for people, whether you have a partner and you're feeling perhaps inept in knowing the right thing to prepare or plan, or you don't have enough money to do something crazy, or you're alone, which can be, it's one of those alienating times. So in the vein of, in the vein of Carrie... Um, (laughs) Brendan and I want to give you a Chef Recommends this week uh, that centers around how to celebrate Valentine's Day if you are either feeling lonely, like an outcast, like maybe you don't know how to cook the right thing. So what are some of your recommendations for having an alt Valentine's Day, whatever that may be, forgetting it, doing it differently? All right. So listen, we're going to have here our powwow. We're going to give you all the options, right? (laughs) <laughs> you're yes. single, you just broke up, you're dating somebody new, uh, you're not dating somebody, you're dating yourself, you hate yourself, <laughs> you love your cat, you don't like your dog, you got a dog, you don't like your cat, you have a bunny, you have a parakeet. Um, no, okay, so let's start with things that are, let's start with things that are beautiful and and sort of, I don't know, evoke like classic, classic Valentine's Day, right? Mm-hmm. Who? Well, first of all, let me tell you something about if you're cooking dinner, and since this is sort of like, aim, you know, we're aiming at people that are cooking and stuff. First of all, skip the restaurants. If you haven't made a reservation already, don't call the restaurant today and be like, hey, do you guys have anything for 8 p.m. on Thursday? Yeah. And like pretend like it's not Valentine's Day. Like, oh, Thursday at 8, you know, yeah. it's a regular day. As if the ma- as if the reservationist doesn't know that right. like it's blocked. Every restaurant has this. It's like highlighted in red. Like there's like a red phone that answers when they call for Valentine's <laughs> the emergency like, line. Yeah, like anybody that calls starting Monday for Thursday, just say uh, we're fully committed. So no. don't call. What should okay, we do? Okay, so instead? listen. You can also go to if let's say hey listen I'm sorry but I'm a lawyer and I work all day or whatever I'm I work on a movie set whatever you do you're just a busy person mm-hmm. and you're like I really do want to go to a restaurant I would recommend sitting at the bar oh that's a good right? idea mm-hmm. or going to somewhere maybe a little less that's considered less romantic I think uh, I would go to somewhere in in Chinatown if you if, if you happen to live in Manhattan or Brooklyn or New York or nearby. You know, going to like and just making it cute. So keeping it low pressure and doing something a little bit different and not thinking so much about having to do the most fancy thing ever. Exactly. Because think, you know, this is where you're going to channel your Carrie Bradshaw moment. Totally. In Sex and the City where she meets some stranger and it's like, and they ended up like 
you know, going in the backyard and there was a wonderful person selling tamales, yeah. you know, and they had the most romantic thing. Right. So let's start with that. Take the pressure off. Cooking wise. Uh, and this will be my thing and then you can tell yours. But yeah. I would say my favorite thing to cook for somebody, and even if you're just having some friends over to celebrate that you love your friends, because that's pretty valid too, right? Uh, and I would I love getting a big ribeye. Something to share. A shareable thing. A shareable thing, right? So exactly. Something you can get like really nasty with. Yeah, something that you can also something you don't have to think about, something that you're not going to like be slaving all over. And I'll tell you this, this is my favorite time of year. I'm from the 1980s and 90s. I'm sure you are too. Um, I'm sure everyone is. I'm sure everybody is at some point. But like, get out that molten chocolate lava cake Uh, recipe. Very 90s. As long as you use your timer... Uh-huh. your timer and your oven thermometer to make sure that you're not overcooking it or undercooking it it's just right then it will turn out it's yes. the easiest thing to make and decorate it with some ra- some unseasonal raspberries unseasonal and a little bit of powdered sugar just get out the get out that damn whipped cream and slather your friends with it no that's a that's a good recommendation yeah. M- mine is very short mm, my yes. recommendation is if you are feeling bad this valentine's day if you don't feel happy if you're bumming if you whatever break up or just whatever there's lots of people that feel that way Put your flint, put your phone, <laughs> put your flame on a plum, put your phone on airplane mode, uh, play some music, maybe get a pack of cigarettes if you're a smoker. If you're not, leave that behind. Not endorsing smoking, just saying. Call your friend Brett and ask him where he gets the psilocybin mushrooms just from. Just dig into your vice a little bit, if it's not a, you know, a terrible vice, but a little bit. Do something that maybe feels like you shouldn't do it, but just have fun. Get yourself a bottle of wine, drink it, and turn your phone off. Don't look at Instagram. Don't look what other people are doing. You know what? That's a really, really good thing you said that, Zara. Just like, like don't, the no comparison don't, don't thing. do it to yourself. It's okay. Eat something or eat nothing. You know what? Ema- FaceTime us. Email yeah. us. Yeah. Hang out with us. I'll virtually. Be, I'll be. Not actually. Yeah. Please. We do not want to see you in real life. Um, okay. <laughs> Bretton, what are your top? Now, switching gears onto things uh, that are actually I love romantic. A good gear switch. What are your top three foods that make you feel mm. like uh, that conjure feelings of love? Okay. Well, besides the obvious, which is chocolate, um, I for me, feelings of love. Okay. If I'm going to really impress somebody, I know I just said steak, but if I. Now it's like we're getting to the real Breton. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, Brett, like... Peeling away the like, layers. Yeah, like, oh, he left out that little thing. Like, what does he really do? What I really do is I make a roast chicken. Mm. I make a roast chicken with oven roasted potatoes. Delicious. Um, and that's kind of it. There's no number two or three? What do you mean? Oh, I'm Our top three. three. Oh, gosh, yeah. darn it. <laughs> we do it every week. Well, turns out, <laughs> hello. Turns out, memory loss is a side effect. <laughs> well, but who my cares? Se- I feel fabulous. My second thing is psilocybin um, mushrooms. Yeah, my second and third and fourth and tenth thing is mushrooms. Um, I actually do love side of mushrooms, but anyway, besides that, uh, my second thing is like a bread pasta, spaghetti and meatballs. Mm. I mean, come on, who does not want to have yeah. the connecting does, over the spaghetti strand? Who doesn't want to have that moment? The I was about to say the Beauty and the Beast. I just started thinking of Requiem <laughs> for a Dream when they were doing it, the like asked. Oh, ask who for doesn't want to? You know what? Go ahead. <laughs> Listen, let's not forget about double dildos. Yes, and please. Because that is the number one. You know what? Straight couple, gay couple, anyone can do it. Love a gay. You know what? What a wonderful thing if you're a straight man to just tell your <laughs> your girlfriend or guy friend or you know that Someone. you guys. You're going to be submissive that night. Exactly. You're going to be vulnerable because it's all about That's being vulnerable. That's what the spaghetti reminds me of for some reason. Okay, what's your number <laughs> What's your number three? That's not... The funny thing is when that scene happens, it's she's at her, like, worst right. heroine. Anyway. Yes. 
And of course, my final, and I'll say, I guess, can I say, can I say lasagna, even though I said spaghetti and meatballs? Lasagna? Lasagna. Can I say lasagna? You could say lasagna or lasagna. My, no, my third, and fa- my third and final thing is getting completely naked and just, again, channeling that sex in the city moment <laughs> and putting sushi all over your naked body and having your partner. That's <laughs> uni. You're so hairy, though. Uni, well, whatever. Uni and tamago. <laughs> Good God. Okay. Yeah. So that's my number three, everybody. Ugh, Zara, what about you? I um, Top mean, that. I don't know. At this point now, all I can think of is your naked body and dildo ass to ass. Um, okay. My number three food that makes me think of love. I guess Caco Van for obvious reasons. Mm, good one. Um, my second one would be... Do you a, like a black Caco Van, like with the silky chickens? Oh, yeah. Any kind of Caco Van, really. Okay. Anyway. As ahead. long as it's big. Perfect. Not thin. Mm, um, nothing like a thin sauce. Who cock. likes a thin Caco Van? Am I right, ladies mm. and men? <laughs> um, there we go. Next, number two. And other, number two would be a nectarine perfectly ripe. Oh. <laughs> or a peach, a la uh, Call Me By Your Name. Okay, now it's perfect for those of you living in the southern hemisphere where you have uh, stone fruits at your disposable uh, disposal in f- exactly dis- disposable stone fruits find in yourself a nectarine date this valentine's day is what i'm trying to say um and my number one uh for reasons i don't want to disclose is okay. macaroni salad with extra mayo anyway it's this has the been noise. the valentine's <laughs> day episode of life's a banquet we laughed we cried we got drunk and ate psilocybin mushrooms that's right now listen do yourself a favor and go out to your butcher and see if you can find yourself some wonderful boudin noir or some black pudding or some or just blood. Uh, some of that morcia sauce or some blood and go ahead and experiment this week and try to make some blood pudding it's actually very simple it is also if you want a sexy thing you can do with your partner this uh valentine's day is get in the bath and pour a gallon of pig's blood on yourselves and just slash around in it <laughs> just make sure to call that metropolitan opera company to make sure it's <laughs> filtered the next day well Breton, this has been a bloody good episode well you know that it is that reminds me that doesn't remind me of anything actually <laughs> <laughs> i love blood oh blood huh oh, isn't yeah, it delicious right. guys cook it first you That's know, right. Drinking raw blood makes you a vampire. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. We love you. We love you, too. Thank you very much. And we will see you at the same time next week where life's a banquet because, really, most poor suckers are starving, <gasps> are sucking blood to death. Life's a banquet and most poor suckers are sucking blood to death. Exactly. Hasta la pasta. Brett and I love you. Uh, love you, too, Valentine's Day. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.